I began the meeting by making this statement, which I think needs to be made to the nation. No, I just said it all the same way. Public travel. I can't help but believe. I just edit this in. Oh. All right, but but if it lets you, like, if it gets you in the gets you gets the juices yeah. going, yeah, in the mood, out, like, that's fine. Okay, just we'll just play it from there. But in the future, we'll see throughout the world an increasing yeah. trend toward the next logical. Space. All right, welcome to public space travel. We are public space oh. travel. Welcome to Public Space Travel. We are a podcast dedicated to social, political, critique, comedy, and education from an anti-hierarchy and anti-oppression perspective. I am Lazarus Wolf, your subcommandante of the Super Soldier Antifa, and with us today is Marks and Lucy Howe. Hello, hello. What's up? You can catch me out here at, uh, at World's Edge, um, being blessed by the All-Father, hiding mm. in the corner, popping off my shield cells, uh, just mumbling to myself about how someone has been through here recently, <laughs> and uh, just letting my team kind of carry me through. <laughs> I haven't been able to get blessed by the All-Father yet. What level do I get access to that? Um, level one. Level one. Level one. Just, you know, <laughs> just got to. I'm gotta, level 12. I've been grinding away. <laughs> uh, my girlfriend right now is actually, she's she's watching someone um, stream them playing uh, um, that game. Wait, what is it called again? <laughs> I lost the name already. Apex, Apex Legends. Yeah. Apex. Actually, I played it. I got stressed out. I died a lot. Yeah. I think... That style, the whole battle royale type thing, is it? It's very stress-inducing, especially early on. Like once, I feel like with this one, I've gotten more comfortable. It's like arcadey in a way. Yeah, it's just way more easy for me to get into. But I can see that. I, I, I got my flu shot. Whoa! Yeah, and now I have this really, really long hair growing off (laughs) my arm. That's like. An inch and a half long, but I don't know if the flu shot caused that. Though I'd like to pretend so. You're gonna have <laughs> you're checking your arm too. You're like, oh shit. Oh no, yeah, I have some weird <laughs> out of place arm hairs. You guys are gonna get oh, powers huh. now. We'll just be able to grow our arm hair. One, that's just so you have one arm hair. Just one braid is what I'm going for. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get my flu shot. I try to remember yes. actually because I think with the flu shot, like it's. Like a lot of like adults will be like, I don't need a flu shot. I don't remember the last time I got the flu, but it's not like for you. It's like for people who don't have as strong immunities. Right. Right. Like, like that herd immunity thing where you help well, like, others by getting it. Well, yeah. Cause like, especially with children, um, yeah. like I was thinking about that because, uh, uh, there was someone at, that works in my building who was like really like worried because their child was sick for like 10 days with like a fever and the doctor said that they think it was from them interacting with like other students or something. Um, oh, wow. And like, cause I like, guess started right when he started going to the school. Um, so like, like it just made me think like, I wonder if that's part of it. Like I wonder if it's like someone was just like, I don't need to get a flu shot. And then they inadvertently spread it. 
He got like other because like a bunch because some of the other kids were sick too, or it could just be like a regular sickness. But it's just like one, it reminded me of of that because I I feel like there's still a lot of people who don't understand like what the purpose of the flu shot is. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of like a PSA, I guess. PSA PST. It's a PST PSA. Oh yeah, that's. It. <laughs> oh, we gotta get a sting for that. <laughs> we do. We really do. That's an even better reason for everybody else, and I guess the audience we just lost, to become a a small yet very important monthly patron pledge solidarity with us for only $5 a month at patreon.com slash public space travel. I don't know about you all, but myself and Lucy and Marks, we are all lovers of coffee, and we are, I guess as you would say, caffeines. And so your monthly subscription allows one of us, well, I guess all of us, a cup of coffee, cup of, cup of Joe. Why has it got to be Joe? I don't know, cup of Java, whatever. And we can all take a couple sips from it and feel uh, hyphy for like 10 minutes. So please, please support us. for only $5 a month at patreon.com slash public space travel. We'll give you a sweet shout out on the show and we'll... Uh, we got some sweet things coming down the, the tube. The more Joes that give up their cheddar, the more Joes we can make cups out of. There it is. Words of wisdom. We don't put ads in this show. We we have the whole thing running. There's no 30-minute span of time where we're advertising the same product that you know you've heard before in every other podcast but yet you still have to sit through 15 minutes of this podcast, listen to it again, even though you paid the premium service to the platform that you're listening to it on. We don't do that. So can you please just give me a cup of coffee? (laughs) Uh, Before we jump into today's show, just real quick, how's everybody doing? Doing pretty good. This this Sunday, it's another survived another week of, of racism in America. That's pretty, pretty great. (laughs) Oh, that's, that's good. The survival part, that's good. Playing maybe too many hours of, of, uh, ESO, but, uh, when you have the opportunity to, to stop a, 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 a racist, um, plot in a city, uh, where counselors are, are planning to, to, uh, reinstate, reinstigate, uh, slavery into their systems and you get to thwart all those efforts and kill a couple of baddies along the way. I mean, that's a pretty good day. That's true. What's that famous Ice Cube quote? Didn't did, didn't have to bust out the AK. Today was a good day. Well, I, I did have to bust out the AK though. Like, let's be clear about that. There is a a trail of bodies <laughs> <laughs> that I left behind. <laughs> but slavery is not going to be a thing anymore, for now. So, you know, I got better gear. Overall, I think it's a win-win. <laughs> that ties great into video games and tech. <laughs> so uh, today's show is going to be about tech and video games in relation to capitalism. Uh, this is still going off of our one of our patron supporters, David, posed a really great question about capitalism and why it is or isn't the best economic system, but also posed some interesting questions regarding video games and technology. So we want to explore kind of a general sense of this today. 
Um, so kind of what we talked in the previous episode, technology is about maximizing efficiency and basically replacing labor to save your costs. There's also another um, dimension of technology under capitalism that we talked about this in the prior episode about capitalism in general, that technology is designed by the bourgeoisie with certain ends. Um, it's not democratized, like Andrew Feinberg would say in uh, critical theory of technology, where we would control why and what machines do. But instead, technology also functions as a way of protecting what is most sacred and important under capitalism. This is profit. Um, technology is largely designed by those who hold power. Again, the owning and bourgeois class. Thus, the state, which seeks to maintain a functioning order of continual profit and capital production, uses technology to ensure the status quo isn't, and I'm emphasizing here, is not disrupted. So it's just one of the many extensions of the state's monopoly on violence that it possesses, which, I mean, technology is a tool for dominating potential threats to the system. So you hear, I'm sure all of us out here, we've heard about the surveillance state and what that means. And really, it's the in ever-increasing amount of accumulation of data of our personal and private lives, our public and private lives. And so the constant observing mechanisms being everywhere, it's really technology that protects the system. And one example that we wanted to kind of bring in here is a pretty recent one. This one in particular is about GitHub and ICE. Lucy, uh, do you want to... Or, yeah, anybody, I guess, but want to talk a little bit more about what GitHub is? So GitHub is, it's it's a software service uh, where um, various companies and projects can host their code base up on GitHub using version control and basically, you know, can share access to their, what, what they call repositories and you know, uh, share access to that so anybody from anywhere in the world can work and and uh, contribute to the project. Um, and GitHub is like uh, as like the most popular uh, service that offers that um, for just all all sorts of companies. Um, yeah, so that's that's well, that's what GitHub is, and it's I think as of maybe two years ago, I want to say it was acquired by Microsoft which I think maybe only recently has started to like show its face in that world. And uh, so the thing is, is that GitHub uh, rather recently, I think maybe in the first week of October, uh, it was revealed that GitHub was renewing a $200,000 contract with ICE and that it, it was just going to go through with this. They put out a statement saying that they didn't agree with with what ICE was doing, uh, nor what in general this administration um, has been doing in regards to immigration and various other policies. However, um, it's also not in their interest as a company to decide who gets access to their products um, that they feel like if they were to not take this contract and not allow ICE to work and use their uh, product, that they would be stifling some type of free speech or innovation or something like that. Like it, it would be sort of, I guess, draconian in their eyes for them to, to act in a way that would, the, the weird part is it would somehow be what, what we get the gist of it is that it would somehow be against free speech for them 
to not allow people who basically squander free speech and, I mean, the hopes and dreams of so many people. Uh, I mean, okay, I'm, I'm trying to like think of all the right words to say, but it's basically someone saying, hey, well, the Gestapo pays good. So, I mean, how can I say no? <laughs> Actually, that's like a really brilliant paraphrase. <laughs> um, yeah, and so a lot of the GitHub employees were like, yo, you can't, you can't renew that contract. That's really fucked up. And basically GitHub CEO, uh, his name's Tim Friedman, I believe, was just like, yeah, we totally don't agree with what ICE does, separating families, you know, locking them up in concentration camps, etc. Um, but, you know, we're going to make up for that by still taking their contract because, like, as you said, they're like, oh, bullshit reasons. And also at the same time, we're going to donate to immigration nonprofits, which is great, you know, like in the sense that donating to these Nonprofits, they need that. Yeah, However, like for every dollar they get, they'll donate two and a half dollars. Yeah. I think the important thing here is like, this is like double dipping. This is like, yeah. I'm going to take their money, but I'm also going to like, I'm going to give them the tools and resources. Who knows how they're going to use it? That's not on us, but we're going to take their money because they're paying us. But I'm also going to put dollar bills into these other groups and we'll be okay. We're cool, right? We're doing, I want my cake. And I want to eat it too. It's interesting because um, this CEO of GitHub, he put out a, or a, a letter was released. I believe this might have been actually a confidential email that was like someone within the company released. But there was a few points that... And GitHub did post the full thing after it was leaked in a blog post. Oh, awesome. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to talk. I wanted to sh show a couple of these points, read a couple of these points, and... Well, let's just jump to this. Um, point number three, this is what they wrote. As a matter of principle, we believe the appropriate way to advocate for our values in a democracy is to use our corporate voice and not to unplug technology services when government customers use them to do things to which we object. Lame. Does this fall within, like, um, what is the example? Um, like, oh, we're just doing our jobs. Oh yeah. Fuck yeah. That's like Nazi guard. Just like, I'm just taking orders. But I think in this sense, yeah. it's more it's like, not, it's not, you know, one-to-one -one in no. that specific case, but no. Yeah. But it's like even worse though, because they're not taking orders. They're taking money. Like they have a complete choice. In and this. they're also ad admitting right. that like, um, ice is using their shit for things that they object to. Because I think earlier on in the, in that release document, they're like, we don't know what they're doing, but at least in this one, it seems to be the case that quote, and not to unplug technology services when government customers use them to do things to which we object. Hmm. Hmm. I think you kind of slipped up there, GitHub. Like, whoops. I guess they do use it to <laughs> uh, detain, separate, and uh, imprison. Whoops. All right. Uh, point number... F no, because there are other parts. There are other parts of, uh, of, the, of the organization. Oh. Yeah. Uh, it's something oh. they say is like, it's a big organization. They do a lot of, they do a lot. Oh of stuff. yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. They also fight against human trafficking and drug enforcement shit. And it's like, man, you were just like looking, you're just like scrounging the ground for anything right now to cover your ass. <laughs> Fuck you. I've seen so many people, uh, online with, with that argument and like for saying like why GitHub was allowed to do this. And it's like, like you are just straight up 
eating the boo. Nom, 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 nom. Fourth. Mm, delicious boo. <laughs> fourth principle. This is GitHub again. Quote, we believe that this principled approach will also be impactful as a matter of pragmatism. Attempting to cancel a purchase will not convince the current administration to alter immigration policy. Other actions, such as public advocacy, supporting lawsuits, meaningful philanthropy, and leveraging the vast resources of Microsoft will have the greatest likelihood of affecting public policy. Our voice is heard better by policymakers when we have a seat at the table. They're not going to change anything if you just let them... <laughs> if you give them the tools and just like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know, like, if they didn't give them the tools, like, they... <sighs> Because the tool is so it's it's so useful for I mean I don't know what they're using it for exactly mm-hmm. but like GitHub is so useful for so many things and if you don't have access to GitHub yeah. like it it screws over even the smallest projects to not be able to have access to that so so yes you could affect something all right and here's my uh, here's here's my favorite point this is the fifth point um, just as Microsoft for more than three decades, has licensed Microsoft Word without demanding to know what customers use it to write, we believe it would be wrong for GitHub to demand that software developers tell us what they're using our tools to do. It's such a, like, it's like no backbone at all. Like, it's, it goes, I mean, at the very most, like the very least, like it goes against the whole hacker ethic that, that everyone supposedly subscribes to in these fields. And it's just, it's clearly just about like business and like having money and the same thing with, with, uh, with the NBA and Hollywood and Blizzard. Uh, they're all just, we need more money for some reason, for some reason, that's the other thing. For some reason, why do you need more money? <laughs> why do you, wh- are you, I'm pretty sure you're okay. I'm pretty sure all of your needs are met. Why do you need more? What are you going to do with it? Yeah. I think what is he going to do with that yeah. money? And he's going to just going to keep it, going to hoard it, going to spend it on stuff you don't need. And, and meanwhile, all these other people, uh, are on the streets suffering, struggling all the time. And not only that, but the people who are trying to just get into this country and just try to make a better life for themselves and everything are being treated in the most horrendous ways. And yet like you have, you can, you can do one thing out of all of that. There's not a lot of us who actually can make as much of an impact as the CEO of GitHub can (laughs) do by by refusing their service and he is refusing to do so. No, that's, that's great points. Um, I was thinking about how this is like, so during world war two, uh, IBM was like doing business with the, with Nazi Germany. According to real fast. Sorry. I gotta be, I'm doing my job. <laughs> uh, alleged by Edwin black who wrote a book. Yeah, I think that he updated it and later it was very convincing, the evidence. Okay. But um, I will believe you. But yeah, supposedly, well, yeah, as you're suggesting, uh, IBM. Uh, I'm just I'm just asking questions. <laughs> basically, <laughs> IBM the designed ones. the machines to keep track of uh, the data of the various prisoners in the concentration camps. And they were named after the founder, Herman Hollerith, um, specifically the, the punch cards. And these punch cards and the machines, like it was very like tailored and custom to basically the 
environment that it was utilized in. So that means that IBM people had to come out and like program it and also teach like Nazis, like how to use it. So for example, like various prisoner types were reduced to IBM numbers with three signifying homosexual nine for antisocial and 12 for gypsy. So like they're specifically like tailored to, you know, Nazi Germany's needs through like this, um, uh, IBM American company, but it just kind of seems like GitHub is like in a certain way, like still doing this whole, like, well, on the one hand, we're saying we don't know how they use their services. But on the other hand, we know how they use their services. And I could totally imagine that IBM uh, might have used that similar logic to be like, well, yeah, I, we don't agree with it. And the dude gave back some metal that Nazi Germany like gave them because, you know, they were really appreciative of having a machine to help better kill people, which is fucking terrible. Um, but at the same time, like, it seems like that's still that same logic of, well, we don't agree, but we need your money. Yeah, it, it's pretty much exactly that. But yeah. Um, and But you don't. You don't need the money. That's the thing. You don't need the money. You need a soul. <laughs> you need a heart. I think they even say that it was like, I think they specifically said that this particular contract is like not really significant financially for them. Why don't they Which get makes, rid of it? And, I, you know, <laughs> and then, it, and then they, they, they pay what two times yeah, or whatever it was to charity to like kind of counter it. But it's like, why are you, does that really cancel it out though? Like, allowing it to begin with especially if it's like if you're not doing it for the money because you're like oh this doesn't really matter to us as far as like in the financial sense yeah like i'm just wondering how do you juggle that what are you getting out of it though? yeah how do you juggle that versus like look it's not economically uh significant for us but i want you to know that ice does other things than just um kidnap and imprison uh people into concentration camps so we're going to keep the contract. Uh, I think we're doing the right thing here. Yeah. But I disagree. So in the email I found it, it says, quote, the revenue from this purchase is less than $200,000 and not financially material for our company. Then why don't they just fucking be like, cancel subscription? Exactly. <laughs> it's a, like, this might be like a whole nother subject for like a different topic, but the whole thing with like with tech companies having this like mission statement of trying to make the world better and using their hacker skills as it were to, you know, like change the system in one way or another, like the idea of, of, of basically, you know, being like the Robin hoods of our generation is just because, yeah, like it's just becoming like, more and more like clear or obvious maybe that that they really just want money and they just want to find more clever ways and more efficient ways to make more money and that's that's maybe that maybe that's always been the goal or maybe it's just a matter of like when greed comes into play that greed itself just has a way of just kind of turning people's you know ethics and morals into you know something else yeah i think that power is a big problem and when you get more power and privilege like you want to hold on to those things for sure and i think it's a terrible uh syndrome of i would i would argue like capitalism but also i think it circumvents into many other intersectional things but yeah i think you're right 
Cause it's, it's, it's the same thing with, with like blizzard too. Yeah. Like their, their whole thing with, with Hong Kong and, and, you know, and kind of like being, you know, subservient to their, to their, uh, Tencent agency, uh, whatever the Tencent that, that Chinese corporation that has like what, like 5% stake in their company. And that's enough for them to like, well, I don't know if it's like, I mean, I don't know, but that, 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 that like four point something, you know, 5% stake in the company. Like, I don't know if that's that big of an influence. I just feel like it's more of just like protecting the market that is China. Cause it's like a yeah. tenth of, or not a tenth, a seventh or so of like human population. It's like a big amount of people. And yeah. if they piss off, we're kind of, I guess, jumping ahead here, but like if we, if they piss off the government of China, like they're, they're very quick to just be like, no, you can't do business here. Yeah. I think that's actually good. Let's jump into the, the blizzard stuff. So can we kind of update our listeners on, for those who may not be aware, like what's, why are we talking about blizzard and China? What's, what's, what's the relevance here? What's going on today? Well, I guess we should say Blizzard Activision. True. Yeah, Activision. Activision Blizzard. As they oh, that? oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of their games, Hearthstone, they suspended a pro Hearthstone player, Chinese player, because he, on stream, came on with goggles in a, in a gas mask or, like, face mask. The importance of the gas mask and face mask is that it's illegal in China, in Hong Kong to wear right, that because because of the the protests right. and protecting themselves from tear gas and all that uh he Identity. said liberate hong kong revolution of our time which is a phrase that has um uh, a phrase that has become a rallying cry for pr- protesters i'm looking at a vice article vice.com article in their games section activision blizzard suspends hearthstone pro player for supporting hong kong protests by matthew Gold. So you know he's 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 showing solidarity. He's supporting the protesters, and we can get into the the protests as well. That'd be good to have some back background. Um, Do you want me to give a little historical context? Yeah, actually, for the I Hong just Kong start with the sort of historical. So, from my understanding, and I could be wrong, but from my understanding, the reason that Hong Kong is having protests is because they want to have a pro democratic uh, system, which runs counter to kind of the Chinese style of governing, which has been long dominated by the communist party. Now, a lot of this originates from a treaty that ended with China and Britain that was reminiscent of the colonial times of who gets to control Hong Kong. And so after, I think it was like 80 or 90 years or something like that. And this thing ended like 50, was it 50? Okay. This thing like ended not that long ago. The agreement was in the, in the late eighties. And then I believe it was 1997 when, Mm. Uh, Britain handed Hong Kong back to China or back, I guess you'd say back to China. Um, right. I don't really know the, all that stuff, but handed it over. Yeah. Uh, to China, but with the stipulation that it would basically remain as it was when it was under British rule, as far as economic system. So it's capitalist in a, you know, yeah. Like, like two systems, one country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Hong Kong and its like region would stay 
uh, democracy, as far as I, I think that's how I read it, and capitalist, uh, which kind of goes, like you said, the whole like one country, two systems, it's, it itself is a capitalist thing. China is a, I would argue, still capitalist, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe at the time it was quote unquote communist China or what have you. Um, but that was supposed to stay that way for 50 years. So that would be, um, I guess it was 97 was when it flipped. I don't know if it was when the agreement was made or what, but so yeah, it's still supposed to be at least according to the, to the agreement, um, Mm -hmm. how it's supposed to stay the way it is. Um, but I think China has been, I mean, definitely, uh, countering the protests with, uh, militarized sort of fervor uh i think they are they have claimed also that's like you know this is part of china so this you know your your hong kong is is under the government of beijing like basically like like beijing is like so so like now now we're going to you're going to play by our rules now and you don't get to say anything about Mm -hmm. it and uh, that basically like Hong Kong was like, we don't really want to, we, no, we don't agree. Like we as Hong Kong don't agree. Well, yeah. And it, it's, it's interesting because, and we'll get into the blizzard part in a second. Um, which is interesting because like what I've, what I looked up was like the, you know, I just Wikipedia Hong Kong and then I saw some supplementary stuff of like kind of the same other same things you see other in other, you know, in the U.S. as far as like the effects of capitalism and the the income inequality. There's like this, you know, there's still super rich business people, and then there's the you know the people struggling. Um, oh, in Hong Kong, yeah, on on the bottom yeah. tier, if you will. Like the motivations behind it. Yeah, and you see, and we'll get into it. I I think like we see a lot of the differing views even on the side of protesters like some are you know carrying around british and american flags kind of like almost like hey come save us it's pretty complicated it's like yeah because there's like a definitely like an element like i didn't get this at first when i first was like reading about it but there's a definitely an element of like like that capitalist mindset where it's like we we as hong kong want to be able to continue thriving the way we've been thriving with our capitalist system you know it's not really it's it's about being able to maintain like their economy almost like and or in some ways like if they want to maintain their economy more than actually you know they're not like they're not out there protesting for you know the equal treatment of everyone that lives in hong kong and you know like the betterment of them in terms of like spreading the wealth and all that kind of stuff like it's just about we want to be able to continue to operate the way we've been operating because it's been really good for us yeah for some of us but also mixed in with Mixed in with this, like, yo, this deal hasn't expired yet, so you can't, like, main main China government can't shouldn't be exhibiting yeah, this the, this kind of yeah. Power. There's like the like the legal part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, let's move to the Blizzard part. Yeah. So it was uh, uh, during a post match interview during the Hearthstone Asia Pacific Grandmaster Tournament. Uh, the player Chung or Blitz Chung as he as he goes by. Yeah. Uh, so he came on with mask and the 
or the the goggles and the mask and he said the very hong kong revolution of our time the the casters the the announcer people at the uh, for the tournament were you know hiding they like ducked behind their desk like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> like this is gonna <laughs> pop off <laughs> and i think they actually got fired too i'm not sure um yeah there's all sorts they of, they got fired they yeah. yeah well there was there was initial judgment handed out and then that got circumvented but the but we could talk about the initial judge yeah so they because they got yeah so activision blizzard uh suspended blitz chung uh from competing in hearthstone tournaments for a year rescinded his three thousand mm-hmm. dollar winnings from the tournament <sighs> yeah and they fired the two uh, people who interviewed him like almost like instantly <laughs> too like just and some of that's been walked back i think it's only like six months now and they gave him his money. Six back. months suspension. He keeps his money. But that was only after like so many people mm-hmm. freaked out about it. Yeah, they they had a statement where they were like, like, so we reviewed everything and <laughs> we realized that maybe we were a little bit too harsh <laughs> on this guy, and so like we, you know, we're gonna just give him like a six month suspension. He keeps his money. The <laughs> other guys are suspended, but they're not fired, and you know, we're gonna try to you know not be so harsh. In yeah, no, the future. Hard, no hard feelings, yeah. right, guys? <laughs> do you think that this? Do you think this is reminiscent to like Kaepernick, like doing like doing political protests in NFL? Yeah, I mean, it, I think it, I think it runs yeah. like uh, very similar in in you know a player, you know, it's someone involved in their business, not necessarily of their business, or in like who expresses a. Uh, you know, political opinion, um, on, you know, basically on their platform. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like one of those things too, or it's kind of like, you know, like with, uh, with GitHub, it's like they, it's their platform, so they own it so they can make the choices that they want in terms of like who gets, I mean, it's like, it's like someone going into your house, like you get to decide who gets to stay in your house or not, you know? But like it's or your neighbor's house it, if you accidentally. But like with like with like GitHub, they it's like it's their house and they can make the rules and they decided to just bend over backwards because of like uh, stupid reasons because they're idiots and they're cowards. And with Blizzard, Activision Blizzard, they like mm-hmm. technically enforce the rules that were already laid out, which is like there's a a clear like legal document that says, uh, you know, like that players cannot uh, involve themselves in anything that would embroil the company in any way. Or like, uh, I can't remember the exact wording, but like that not make them look bad. Um, I got you. I got you. Do you want me to have her here? Okay. Uh, Engaging in any act that in Blizzard's sole discretion brings you into public disrepute offends a portion of a portion or group of the public or otherwise damages blizzard's image will result in removal from grandmasters and reduction of the player's prize to zero dollars usd in addition to other remedies that may be provided for under provided for under the handbook in blizzard's website terms the the first line what is it uh the blizzard's discretion engaging in any act that in blizzard's sole discretion brings you into (laughs) yeah Like that part is specifically vague. Oh, God. 
And then they've, they also said, while we stand by one's right to express individual thoughts and opinions, players and other participants that elect to participate in our esports competitions must abide by the, the official competition rules. God, this is just like such a fucking blatant example of, you know, Blizzard is doing this because it's going to impact their profit. Kind of we talked about before, like the huge yeah. consumer population that they have in China. Like if public, you know, public opinions in favor of Hong Kong, it threatens not only from, I guess, the population point, but also like governmental that uh, could potentially hinder their profit income. And I think there's also a free speech like tight end thing here as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it, there's like so many like angles because I remember seeing someone like uh, saying like, imagine uh, you're a company and you make video games that tell the story about people uprising against <laughs> a dictatorship or free speech, and then you happen to be the same people that right. they're uprising against. <laughs> and then like there's so many. Uh, like Twitter uh, fan art of uh, May from Overwatch because she's Chinese. Oh yeah. Like they t they took her and like made her into like a protester oh, where cool. she has the umbrella and has like the 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 gear on and like the the face mask and everything too. Oh. I I heard that part of part of the reason of trying to get uh, May like a, a, as a as an image of the protest is to to potentially get May banned. In oh, China, wow. and therefore, maybe Overwatch, mm -hmm. like the whole game itself. Oh, banned. that's interesting. That's like <laughs> that's some pretty good like praxis. <laughs> yeah, that's that's some good trolling yeah. right there. It's just it's like it's it's so funny. The other thing too is because it's just like like they like Blizzard reacted so swiftly and so harshly yeah. with the punishment for this that like it, it was clear like a, like almost like a knee jerk reaction like someone at the console going like. Oh shit! Our money, <laughs> no! And then like pulls the lever, and like, and then take all the stuff away. But like, not thinking outside the box as like, yeah. how is this gonna look when we do this? Which, I mean, uh, not good. No. Like it didn't look good at all. And I, I wonder if maybe if they took, like, like where they're at now with the six month suspension, but everyone's like still like you know everyone's like allowed to keep their jobs and. And he still like keeps the money. Like I wonder if if they mm. did that initially, if there would have been as mm. much of a blowback. I don't know. Maybe this ties in, but like, I'm really curious how. And this is like going to be a general claim, but like, or a general observation. I mean, but I think it seems to me that like gamers, especially like American gamers, they're kind of perceiving this Blizzard China Hong Kong like dilemma to be one of free speech and not necessarily one about like capitalism and how activism blizzard activision blizzard is you know doing this to retain profit they don't want it's it, you know the irony is that they don't want the public back or political backlash and economic backlash but they're receiving that right because gamers are like well that's fucked up and they're doing those kind of things right and that's why they had to kind of rescind some of their stuff but i'm really curious like like in my general observation, it seems like it is more of a free speech thing rather than like, oh, wow, they're just trying to go for like money. I mean, if you look at uh, the Institute of Technology and Economic Policy, they let out a report in 2018 and Activision and Blizzard had a 
basically they paid like a negative $228 million in federal tax, which is effectively a negative 51% tax rate. And it's fucking bullshit. Yeah. Let me repeat that again. Activision and Blizzard federal tax wise, they paid negative $228 million, which is equivalent to an effective tax rate of negative 51%. And the reason that this happens, and this is according to the Institute of Technology and Economic Policy, the, the reason that this happens is that for decades, profitable Fortune 500 companies have manipulated the tax system to avoid paying even a dime in tax of billions of dollars in U.S. profit. And this Institute of Technology and Economic Policy uh, report provides the first comprehensive look at how corporate tax changes under the 2017 tax cut and Jobs Act affect the scale of corporate tax avoidance. The report finds that in 2018, 60 of America's biggest corporations zeroed out their federal income taxes on $79 billion in U.S. pre-tax income instead of paying $16.4 billion in taxes at the 21% statuary corporate tax rate. These companies enjoyed Jesus. a net corporate tax rebate of $4.3 billion. Now, in particular to Activision Blizzard. Activision Blizzard reported 58 million of stock option tax breaks. They've also enjoyed $46 million via the RE tax credit, which has been criticized for rewarding companies for quote unquote research. They would have done anyway, as well as rewarding research in areas such as fast food packaging and in the case of Activision, video games. So I know that this is a free speech issue. I get that, but I I think gamers are so close and it would be interesting to see like that radical potential of like, yo, Mm -hmm. frame this in capitalist, like critique here. Like it's all about the money. And when that happens, these are the results that you get. This is the power that Activision Blizzard has. It's, it's, um, boring. Yo, so when's Diablo four coming out? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's definitely a step in the right direction in terms of like public consciousness and awareness though, because I did see a lot of people say like in response, go like, you know, like, you know what? I don't need a subscription to wow or whatever the thing was. And so like they, like I saw people like deleting their accounts and then people will go and then, and then for like, so, Oh, I, sh- I posted a screenshot of me deleting my account, but someone said, you'll be back a week later. So here's a screenshot of me sending an email saying, please delete all my oh, game wow. data to Blizzard. And and I think like stuff like that, like like capitalism works both ways. It's like if people do enough of that kind of stuff, then uh, companies don't have as much freedom or they don't feel as much freedom to just sort of do whatever they want. Because, I mean, I, I know they're trying to get into the Chinese marketplace, but I think that if they were to make too many bad moves and lose the American marketplace in the process, that that wouldn't be good for them. Yeah. So they're in a balancing act and the intention, sorry to interrupt, but the the end goal is profit though. Right. Oh yeah. So they have to like find Mm -hmm. the path of least resistance, maximum profit. Exactly. Does that make, I don't know. I remember seeing too on Instagram, there were a mortal Kombat posted. uh, And I saw it was an advertisement for a mortal Kombat game. I forgot which game it was. It looked bad, but the logo, (laughs) Uh, their avatar logo had like the, you know, like the Mortal Kombat logo, but it was at the rainbow flags. Mm-hmm. Um, Hell yeah. And, uh, and I saw so many people leaving comments that were like upset about this rainbow flag logo. And they were like, yo, leave politics out of, out of gaming. <sighs> and, 
you know, like, what does this have to do? Blah, 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 blah. And I went in there and I left a comment and I was like, like, if, like, if you really care about this, like, please understand that it's about money because at the end of the day, Mortal Kombat doesn't care about gay people. It cares about the fact that gay people have money and they want those gay people's money. That's what it's about. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. So like during pride month, like, of course, like this, I'll speak for all of us. Like we all are in favor of, uh, LGBTQA community and I'm more in favor of the plus. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. LGBTQA plus like community, obviously. However, I do think there is an interesting observation that we can make about the way that corporations exploit those communities, specifically during pride month where you have like Listerine that has a rainbow on it. And then at the end of that month, it goes away. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, it's basically, and I think we could do a whole episode on this, like social justice commodification. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a whole topic on its own. It's yeah. Like, cause they're dipping their toe into like that, into that group, you know, that consumer base. But at the same time, like they have so much power that like, you'll still have like a reaction from people who are, you know, quote, anti SJW that like, well, we'll just either stop making it or you can burn your Nikes that you bought, you know, mm-hmm. like those kind of bullshit things that. Yeah. In this, in this capitalist <laughs> society, do. companies have this attitude of like, yeah, I'll support your cause for money or visibility. <laughs> Both. I mean, I guess yeah. when it comes down to it, right. It's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because when we, another kind of dimension here is that Activision Blizzard is among other big businesses, corporations, and so forth. They're hierarchical, you know, they're a private run business. Mm -hmm. Workers don't have like a cooperative organization and power. Um, There is a video game company. It's an independent studio uh, called Motion Twin. uh, And they've the developer of the Castlevania inspired roguelike Dead Cells. Um, but they are cooperative I and I, I'm pretty sure it's like 10 people and everybody has equal say in power and so forth in the company. And, you know, they're successful in doing what they do. And at the same time, they're minimizing kind of the exploitation that comes with that hierarchical pyramid like process where the CEO, you know, it's vampire taking of the profit upwards, but instead everybody's like in this cooperative organization is in a democratic way. I don't know. I guess I'm maybe it's a pipe dream, but the day that like blizzard gamers and so forth are just like the punishment for your ways. Blizzard is for you to become a cooperative. The CEO steps down, you know, like (laughs) obviously I don't think it's going to happen, but no, it would be interesting to have Nintendo become a co-op. Well then they'd have to, because it's part of Activision, it would be the largest, like the entire Activision gargantuan (laughs) uh, restructure. Yeah. I'm I'm okay with that. No, yeah, that'd be great, but <laughs> <laughs> Can I read cuz it's part of this. Yeah. Um I think we should focus or, you know, raise up uh, the voice of Chung. So he told an esports website, Chung told an esports website, uh Inven Inven Global. He says, "As you know, there are serious protests in my country now." My call on stream was just another form of partic- participation of the protest that I wish to grab more attention. I put so much effort in that social movement in the past few months that I sometimes couldn't focus on preparing my grandmaster's match. I know what my action on stream means. It could cause me a lot of trouble 
even my personal safety in real life, but I think it's my duty to say something about the issue. And I don't know. I just thought yeah. it would be good to positive thing to put that out there since there is strife going on. Yeah. And since we focused a bit more on Blizzard, I thought we could uh, highlight the, the give the spotlight to the, Chung here. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That Chung is a hero because I think he's also like for some reason uh, has ga- gained he, he was able to gain support from the American gaming audience. And I feel like that's actually kind of hard to do because yeah. like I said, with the mortal Kombat thing, it's like, they are thing. It's like, they're so anti politics, like mm-hmm. so apathetic a lot of times and like wanting to vigilantly remain sort of like apathetic to ideals and any kind of like politics going on in the world. But somehow a lot of gamers, like I think the most United I've seen gamers actually do something and, and make comments in the right direction uh, was because of uh, Blitz Chung. I don't know. It's it's kind of it's kind of nice to see that, and and to maybe like like you're saying like their gamers are so close, and I think maybe I think they're just gonna get closer because I think a lot of the stuff is just gonna keep happening. Yeah, and I think there's an irony in some of what you said in terms of like gamers don't want to be like political, um, especially like, and I think what that means is like if it threatens the cis heteronormative <laughs> like dominant discourse so an example of like a rainbow flag for mortal Kombat, like that's like ah don't do that don't be political but then when it's like something that i think is more compatible with an american mindset of like free speech being threatened which is a right you know yeah then they're like oh yeah yeah and we got to defend that so you just kind of have to like it's interesting that it feeds into like an american narrative yeah and therefore it's more welcomed yeah um yeah, it's an easier pair to swallow, but I think I think the thing that I the thing that I kind of like look forward to it is this like realization of the fact that you can't get away from politics. Like everything is yes, politics. Everything is you, political. It it nothing exists in a vacuum. And I think yes. that I or I hope that this situation kind of like brings that to light a little bit more with a lot of these people. Mm-hmm. that like they're like oh okay well in this case you know I, I i'm hopeful i guess in some that some people will kind of like realize that like oh like in this case politics is sort of useful and a good thing and and i'm not against it and then maybe they'll like take another look and go you know maybe it makes sense that that other thing exists too or because it's it's hard to argue like if you sit around and you're like in strong support of blitzstrong and a free speech in this way and you're willing to you know, delete your WoW subscription and do all this kind of stuff. And someone says, okay, that's really good. Now, what about, you know, uh, what about more um, black female characters in video games? And it's like, well, well, I don't want to do that. And like, well, wait, how come there's a difference here? And then maybe there's like yeah. more opportunity to have the actual conversation and not um, have so much pushback. Like maybe like we're still in the beginning stages of, mm. of the conversation, but I, I, I've never been like more excited, I think, for like the idea of, um, a, uh, I don't know, like a more united, more progressive gaming culture. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's very much so needed. I think you made excellent points and I think it kind of shows the need to not, as you kind of said, not put things in a vacuum and then kind of assume and go and work from there. 
because everything is relational. Yeah. And I think we always need to consider like the history, the socioeconomic history context there. It's, it's a, it's a starting point because it's like, I think one of the things with like people not being able to realize maybe like the downfall of capitalism because they themselves have benefited so much because they are so privileged is that like when it comes from a place of privilege, it's really hard to know that you're privileged because you don't, because that's because you're you're privileged in the fact that you don't have to choose to like, you, you can choose who is around you. Like you don't have to be confronted with the realities of the world if you don't want to, because you're in a privileged position. And I think it's really hard because when people like, we kind of talked about this before in the, in like the whiteness episode, but when you're confronted with this, uh, like the ideas that like kind of like make your world sort of shatter. Like, of course you're going to yep. push back against that. But like with stuff like this, I think because I think the thing is, is like with gamers, they usually like the pretty intelligent group of people. I don't think it's a lack of intelligence that they're not able to understand uh, some of these issues. I think it's just sometimes you can be so intelligent that you can rationalize your own argument for yourself and not, you know, you can kind of like, develop a very strong bias towards your opinion. I think there's a word for that. Yeah. But and I think it's coupled with like being a little naive of the larger social context. Yeah. As well. Cause I think it's easy for somebody who, you know, I'm just doing a hypothetical, but somebody who's like middle class and white and, you know, obviously coming from that background of privilege to not be able to relate and understand and have that empathy for positions that aren't the same. Cause I think there's an internalizing of like making the assumption of the similarity that anybody can work hard and come to the position they're at. Or what do you mean racism existed? What do you mean uh, sexism exists today? Like that takes a lot of relational thinking and experience and context Mm -hmm. and like kind of, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like what you're saying, like being open-minded to being incorrect instead of hyper-rationalizing your own belief because that's what you think and feel and therefore it's right. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I just, at the end of the day, I think I'm just kind of hopeful that this is like a, like an entryway into a, a broader conversation with a lot of people that, that hopefully sheds more light. And it's, it's kind of, it's kind of weird that a lot of these corporations, they're kind of like, they're almost like showing their cards a little bit more, I feel like lately. And I just kind of like, I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see how it's all going to play out. You know, hopefully with podcasts like this, people can kind of become more enlightened to to all the nuances and the things and, and the ways at which we're kind of screwing ourselves over by supporting this. Yeah. I think maybe this might be a good time to end this episode in preparation for the next one because we still have more to talk about. I don't remember if we have any more yeah. stuff to go over. Yeah, I, I think that, I think I really liked uh, a lot of the the points that you had said. I think to just kind of tie in a couple things, uh, we are going to, we'll be doing a video of playing Civilization VI, but taking a decolonizing perspective and a critical perspective on the game itself, which, uh, Lucy, I think it ties back in with a more progressive uh, video game audience. Hopefully that would be kind of a segue for and an introduction for people who were like, what decolonizing, what the hell? But there's really problematic things about that game. Um, and we'll kind of talk about that while we play through. That'd be exciting. We'll also be, be just like a settlers only game. 
where you're just like, what? Oh, this isn't mine. And we just kind of like, he <laughs> never just settled. walking around like, this isn't my <laughs> land. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> Can't do this. Mm-mm. And you do like kill unit and like you lost. Like I win. <laughs> we're also going, we're also working on a little, we're doing an actual play uh, series of tabletop role playing, but we're going to role play just the audio. A virtual tabletop audio role So you'll have game. to trust us on the dice rolls as far as what the results are. Or not. <laughs> I really wish there was more of a radical left progressive gamer community for Warhammer and Warhammer 40k. Man. Yeah, that'd be dope. We can definitely do an episode on that though. Very problematic. Yeah, but. we need to just have, if you really <laughs> want to siphon some of our our personal interests into this, we need to have a... 40k lore 40k lore episode or something with like basically we just talk about how everything's terrible (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah except the game because the game's fun now's not the time to get into it probably but i have so much like social anxiety about going out and playing the game with people out here and then also like me too spending the money to play the game when i play (laughs) like when i play like it's like it's so fun yeah yeah you guys should play ESO with me. <laughs> no one wants to play with me. <laughs> I have the installer downloaded. <laughs> M- MMOs are hard to, to like, because right now I'm basically playing two MMOs. I'm playing World of Warcraft Classic and, and ESO. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with ESO, it's like the, the questing, the questing experience is so much more immersive <laughs> and satisfying. And it's not like, you know, hunt and gatherer, <laughs> go out into the woods and get like six porcupines to bring it back to me. Now go back out there and go cook something with it. Like, it's not like I, some bullshit like that. See, I don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah. Where's the, my dry Like, I, I get it, I guess, in like a nostalgia sense. But like, I don't I just don't understand the WoW classic as far as like, like they re, they redid hmm. all of that. Oh, like, and like, the, and the like, reach they redid that because it was so outdated and so... <laughs> like fetch questy <laughs> but now it's back and everyone's like oh i gotta play it i i like the fact that you I, I like the the fact that you are like tied into on a game mechanics level to have to socialize with other people okay. and, and be dependent um right. on other people like and if like if someone like say for example like someone's like a complete dick on the server like i like the fact that there's like like if they're if enough people know that they're a dick like no one will play with that person ever and so like there's no mm-hmm. like you you don't get rewarded like you get punished for being a dick like i kind of like that and i like the like the organic like the nature of like okay well uh i really want to do this instance um but it's going to take me a while because i have to find people to do it so i'm going to put in the general chat hey i'm looking for somebody to do this instance and in the meantime i'm going to travel to ogremerics and take me like 15 minutes so i can turn in a couple of quests and then by the time I'm done with all this, maybe people will be ready mm. and I'll have a party together or whatever. Like it's, it feels like very, uh, engaging on a social level for that reason. But what if I could just open the dungeon fight <laughs> and hit looking for group? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's, what's, I wish it was like an option for both. I think that's the thing. Like I've, I've been hearing a lot of stuff where it's like, I think like if you're the kind of person who likes the social dependency that was uh, 
a core mechanic of vanilla WoW, then I could see why you would feel like you got left out when all the other updates came in and mm. it was just social, it was just Dungeon Finder and it was just right. a random person every time and there's like no <laughs> connection to be had. Other than maybe like a salty whisper yeah. sent your way or something. Yeah, exactly. Like the only time someone talks to you when they tell you you fucked up. Right. <laughs> Whereas like like I uh like I generally have like really positive experience with people like I'm out, like people just like randomly giving me stuff or like being like, you know, we're all stuck in this valley trying to do like three quests and we're like, fuck, this is taking forever. And then someone just shows up and goes like, Hey, do you want to invite? Uh, and then like, now we got a whole party. Now we're just barreling through all this stuff. And then we're talking about how we're drinking alcohol while we're playing this game. Like, it's just like this like random occurrence. Like it just feels like this whole thing. Whereas when I play ESO, it's like, I'll see other players, but they just kind of just run through, chop somebody up and just keep on going. They don't, they don't say hi. Mm. They don't do anything. Like I've tried to communicate and they don't, but that's kind of not the reason why I play it. Like I kind of like it for its solo play style, but I could, like, it's just like, I, I like both and I wish I could have both at the same time. <laughs> in, yeah. In, in apex, there's a beginning, the beginning of every match before character selection selection, you you can just hit F and it mutes your squad, and it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's gotta be useful. Anyway, this has been public space travels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sign us out, Lucy. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, uh, at public space travel pod. What's our Instagram? PSP pod <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm PST Lucy and uh, our producer, Marks. You can find me at PST in the shadows. Lazarus Wolf. Oh, I'm at PST Lazarus. Putting out that heat content for you guys everywhere <laughs> we can. Fire. Doing our best to make, doing our best to make your timelines and your daily commutes more manageable and easier. And if we had, you know, a more well-funded coffee fund, you'd be more caffeinated and then more productive. Ooh, we are caffeines. We need more caffeine. Will podcast for caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I need a coffee mug that says that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Oh, uh, okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoy this and we really, you know, looking forward to putting more stuff out for you guys. Um, I think this might've been like a little bit of a longer one, but hopefully it's, you know, it was fun to listen to and you guys got a lot out of it. Like, please, if anything, uh, email us, um, uh, Lazarus, what's our email again? It's a public space travel at gmail.com. And our voicemail is 208-502- 1406. Yeah, so if you guys could just reach out to us if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or we really insults. would like to hear from you guys and get more feedback and any questions, like even if you want to troll on us, like that's also fine. That'd be cool. We can take it. Um we can't, but we'll share we this can with pretend. your friends. <laughs> share this with your friends. Uh you know, when you go on that long road trip uh with somebody, just you know, uh, force them to listen to this. Uh, that's a really good way to help <laughs> spread uh, spread the cause uh, and show them that you love them. Uh, Christmas is coming up soon, so that would be a really great time to do that. 
and uh yeah we'll uh we'll see you guys soon bye <laughs> bye bye public public space travel ah, don't worry buddy Public space travel. Check, check, check. Okay, I think everything's working on my end. I can hear you. All right. Uh, at the uh, 25? Uh, wait, Mark. No? Wait. What? Let's go 30. Sorry. 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30. Here we go. Got him, coach. <laughs> Everything is aligned. The Earth Mother provides. <laughs> I'm not laughing because it's like, that's a silly thing to say. It's more like, that's fucking awesome. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to align our chakras, get our spirit stones ready. Hmm. As an Eldar, I like, I mean, a dark Eldar, I like taking spirit stones. <laughs>